probability that one or more team members may be infected by intruder organism. 75%. If intruder organism reaches civilized areas, entire world population infected 27,000 hours from first contact. Welcome back to the Thing Minute Podcast, where we discuss John Carpenter's 1982 science fiction horror masterpiece, The Thing, one minute at a time. I'm Harper W. Harris from HarperWHarris.com, and joining me for the last day of the week is... Mike Cummins from Tarantino Minute and Stellar Dynamics Podcast and TooOldMedia.com. Awesome. Thanks for coming back and uh, finishing up the week with us, man. Yeah, dude. So uh, we are wrapping up the week with Minute 90 of The Thing, which uh, begins with uh, everybody prepping the explosives and or, and looking at the UFO one last time, and then uh, ends a minute later with uh, seeing... Somebody, uh, presumably Childs, uh, walking out of his post at uh, at the base and walking across the ice for some unknown reason. So, um, so yeah, we start this one with uh, with some more UFO talk. Where they, uh, I guess, we get you know we we theorized a lot about it yesterday, but uh, now we get um, Gary and Mac and Nall's kind of uh, questions and, and answers about it, their ideas. So, um, uh, Gary says that it's he's been building it from pieces of the helicopter and. Then we get a, a cl- kind of a classic uh, Mac line, uh, smart SOB, putting it together piece by piece. <laughs> so clearly they, they have no reservations about this being odd at all. <laughs> um, it's like, yeah, I mean, Blair's really smart, right? He could have put together a spacecraft for sure. He's a smart dude. He yeah. knows a lot about spacecrafts, apparently. I also like the inclusion of SOB. Like that's not a, um, that to me that almost seems like we've, we've mentioned in a couple of places, the, uh, the kind of funny TV sensor uh, on the TV version of this movie, the kind of funny sensors, uh, that they use every time somebody swears, uh, SOB sounds like one of those to me. Like I, it's one of those things that you only hear people say in movies and TV. Nobody says SOB in real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Yeah. It's uh that always kind of stands out to me, but Mac is like a hundred percent confident. He's like, "Yep, this is a UFO. I know exactly what's going on here." <laughs> um, and Nalls is Nalls asks him, you know, uh, where do you think he was trying to go? And he says, "Any place but here." So I, we don't really get an answer to that question of whether. Um, I do think it's interesting to think about whether he was trying to spread to the mainland or whether he's just trying to like get the hell out of dodge like like you said that maybe uh maybe earth is much more resistant to the thing than uh than other planets you yeah. know welcome to earth but uh <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so I, I don't know but I, I tend to think he's trying to spread uh spread to the planet that's kind of the thing's only real motivation is to take over more but uh but yeah i guess at some point it's got to figure out a way to get off earth and, and move on i mean i guess to survive it has to do that yeah, huh. I mean, maybe this UFO is just a uh, just some place to stay warm. For God's sakes, <laughs> who knows? That's a hell of a thing to build to stay warm. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> very common. It's a nuclear reactor, and <laughs> yeah. I, he achieved fission just to stay warm. Right, I mean, that's that's impressive. Major, Walter Brimley, <laughs> major breakthroughs in uh, in, in <laughs> Earth technology here. Um. Yeah. So from from there, uh, from the UFO, we cut to uh, we finally get some music. Uh, as we cut to this next shot, um, I was thinking about it while I was watching this clip right before we started recording that I don't think we've had music uh, in this movie since, um, geez, it's been a really long time. It, like, like 
probably around the time they found Fuchs, I think, was the last time we had some music, uh, which is really crazy to think about. But we've had like the Norris scene and well, we've had uh, Mac breaking into the base when they're suspicious of him and then the Norris scene and then the blood test. So we've had like these scenes of like incredible tension where there's not any music. Um, and so now we kind of, it's, it's, you know, it's almost like you forget this movie has a score. And so when it, when it comes back in, it's very kind of, it's, it's a perfect kind of gung ho moment. Like, okay, we know what's going on. We've got it. Uh, you, you, even though you don't necessarily know what they're doing yet, you know, that like you get a sense that they have a plan and that, we're about to move into the end game here. Yeah. I, uh, I haven't had any music, I guess so far in these minutes, but man, do I love the score to this movie? It is so, I love all of John Carpenter's score, but this is particularly my favorite. Yeah. It's a really unique one. Um, just because, I mean, obviously because it's, uh, you know, Carpenter scored, um, I'd have to look back. I don't know of, I'm not sure of any other movies that he didn't score himself, you know, by himself. Um, yeah. You know, pretty much all of his other movies and certainly most of his famous scores are, are just him. Um, but this, so this is the only one where we've got this other composer and it just happens to be, you know, one of the greatest composers of all time, Ennio Morricone, um, mm-hmm. who Carpenter was a huge fan of. So it's, it's a really unique blend because it's um, Morricone always says that he, he wrote tons and tons of music for this movie and Carpenter only used the parts that Carpenter would have maybe composed himself. <laughs> um, and certainly this stuff is a really interesting blend of the two of their kind of styles where, you know, it's definitely got that. Uh, some of the stuff definitely has some of the more creepy kind of Morricone melodies and things like that. But, you know, obviously the main theme that just kind of very it's very rhythmic and based on that kind of bass synth stuff. That's very John Carpenter. A um, little, uh, little fun fact is three of the songs that Morricone wrote for the thing were used in Hateful Eight. That's right. I know. Um, <laughs> oh, sorry. If I, if no, I stole your, if I stole no, your talking no, 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 no. I didn't mean to say it like that. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, I know. It's just so cool. I, that's, I, I, I was like uh, giddy as a schoolgirl when I found that out because uh, I think, I can't remember if I mentioned it on air or not, but uh, when I saw Hateful Eight, I was very much, I, I subconsciously felt like, I was like, man, I don't know why, but this feels very John Carpenter. Like, uh, you know, there's a lot, there's some, definitely some things uh, that reminded me of the thing. And then, you know, when I found that out, it kind of blew my mind a little bit. It's like, of yeah. course it is. <laughs> um, yeah. And it's, it's cool that uh, it's interesting that there's, there's a lot of versions of the score that are out there and most of them only have the, uh, the stuff that Morricone uh, composed, but it sounds like uh, pretty soon they're coming out with um, a more kind of extended version that also includes some of the more kind of like atmospheric stuff that uh, John Carpenter and Alan Howarth added to the score as well. The more kind of like very synth heavy, just like pure atmosphere, less melodic kind of stuff, which is cool. Cause I'd, I'd love to hear all of that together at once and kind of see how it plays. But yeah, it's a great score for sure. I don't know that I have to, I'm going to have to keep my eye out for that one. Cause I have, um, I have like one of the Newberry comics exclusive, like vinyl of, uh, oh, uh carpenters. Awesome. And I'm like, man, I, I, I he's an underrated composer for mu- movies. Like I know he only, he basically kind of only does his own stuff, but man, it, it's so good. I, I was watching, um, What's that new horror movie that just came out like a, two years ago? It follows. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that one. Mm-hmm. That yeah, was I love like, that movie. It was really like Carpenter esque score, mm-hmm. like easy, like uh, like almost like MIDI tracks to it. it was, I thought it was really cool. Yeah, certainly. That was we, we've actually brought that movie up before because it definitely you can tell that score is very Carpenter inspired for sure. Yeah, um, and 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 lends it a more eighties vibe than probably anything else in the movie does. Uh, yeah, but um. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right. He's certainly, you know, one of my favorite movie composers uh, these days. I'm a big fan of his uh, his solo. You know, what he's doing now is just he's, he's a musician by trade now. I mean, he hasn't made a movie in quite a while. Um, and, you know, he's touring with his band and everything, which is awesome. And uh, yeah. so, yeah, anybody gets a chance to uh, to see him, I highly recommend it. It's a, it's it's pretty awesome. Um, so, yeah, the, the music in this movie is just it's super unique because it is a blend of those two kind of, you know, world-renowned composers kind of blending their styles and, and, you know, mixing up their pieces to, to really lend to this movie and it works perfectly. Oh, it definitely. So, um, yeah, so we get this long kind of interesting tracking shot as that, that, uh, main theme kicks back in here. And, um, there's a lot of interesting stuff in this, this single shot. There's no characters in it, but it, um, there's a lot of stuff that kind of plays into the end of the movie going on here. So first, as we kind of pan, we pan across the hallway and it is just kind of a nice eerie shot uh, just on its own, just that there's, there's nobody in the base anymore. We're just kind of seeing the totally empty outpost. And then we pan down to see that basement door down the stairs, which I'm like 90% sure we have not seen before. So that kind of clues us in like, oh, there's this other area that we haven't seen yet that may come into play. And that I think that also may be some kind of hint that maybe trying to tell you also that that's where Blair's at at this point. Mm-hmm. Just because it is interesting. We, they like very distinctly look at that door before they kind of move on to see what the shot is ultimately trying to portray. But which I never really noticed before, but I thought that was kind of interesting. And then, uh, yeah, we pan up to the, the rest of the curve in the hallway. And, and now we're seeing where Childs was a minute ago. And as we move forward, we see that Childs not only is not there, but the door is wide open and looks like it has been for a little while. Like there's like a bunch of snow and ice you know, blown into the room. So that last part of that shot is uh, like a major centerpiece in some of the theories about the end of this movie for a couple of reasons. And uh, to me, the first, the, the more, the most obvious one is just like, you know, the way Childs explains it later, obviously is that he thinks he sees Blair. And so he's going outside to chase him down and see what's going on, uh, which is maybe understandable. Like that's not so hard to believe. But the fact that he would just run out and leave the door like wide open is kind of weird. Like to me, that's a that's kind of suspicious in a, in and of itself. Like, you know, why would you do that? <laughs> uh, are, are, are we positive that I mean, couldn't a Blair? So that's what is that? That's the supply room. Mm-hmm. Couldn't he have left through another door? Because I'm trying to think like in relation to the um in relation to blair's shack like is are we is are we positive that's across the way from the supply room that he's that we're like that we're showing here or could have been that blair came in and like opened that door oh um yeah i mean yeah these guys were all down in the tunnel so they might not have seen it so yeah that's true that's a good point i just i'm just trying to think of like in relation to where the shack is to because they didn't go out through that door when when, when McCready was like, hey, we're going to go check on, we're going to go get Blair the blood test. They didn't go out that way. Yeah, you're right. So I don't know. Yeah, that's a good point. I never thought about that because, yeah, obviously they don't exit right in front of Childs right there. Mm-hmm. Um, unless, we, unless we're not seeing them exit. I mean, maybe they were still prepping or something. But, yeah, you're right. It doesn't seem like they go out that way. Um, yeah, that is, that's an interesting bit of geography that doesn't quite add up. You're right. I like knowing about these, like in The Shining, like how the the rooms don't actually match up with yeah. the windows. I always like to know, like where everything is in a like uh, in the set. Yeah, and for the most part, this movie does a really good job of kind of establishing that geography and sticking to it because there are a lot of these kind of like establishing shots of 
the interior and you know there's shots like when McCready runs in to find Blair trash in the room we get him like tracking through that whole hallway yeah um, so there's a lot of shots that kind of give you an idea of the layout a little bit so yeah that is odd that there would be that kind of um you know bit of maybe continuity error i'm not sure that's that's pretty interesting but yeah because that door when when they you know at the end of this minute when they look out and see child's running out that door looks like the door that child's was looking out and when we cut to them walking up to the base that also looks like the door they would have been coming from just because they're they're right right almost right in front of it when they're walking up to the shack yeah yeah that is interesting i hadn't thought about that Hmm. but uh the other big piece of evidence supposedly here is that the jackets on the wall in that shot um in that that uh supply room there are um are moved they're moved around and the the blue jacket that was hanging there earlier is gone which is um is you know if you if you subscribe to this theory it's a it's a pretty it's pretty damning evidence that child's is maybe an imitation because the the idea behind the theory is that you know your clothes get torn when you get taken over in most cases um uh, so that maybe child's uh maybe blair snuck up behind uh, Childs and, you know, maybe that shot is even kind of trying to tell that story that maybe he came up through the basement and snuck out, snuck through that hallway and got behind him before he saw him um, and took over Childs. So it ripped through his clothes. So obviously to look like Childs is supposed to look, he needed another jacket. So he grabs this blue jacket off the wall and then goes out the door and leaves the door open, you know, maybe because he's not thinking about it uh, because he's in imitation. But the jacket being gone is pretty interesting and it, it's either just a, you know, just a plain continuity error and there's nothing more to it, or it's a pretty interesting bit of evidence if you want to look at it that way. Well, that's a good point. I, I had no, I didn't even realize that. Yeah. I can't, I can't take credit for that one. <laughs> there's, um, I'll, I'll definitely post a, uh, post a link to the video. There's, um, I can't remember the name of the channel, but there's this guy who's posted several videos about this. Um, he did one a few years ago about, uh, really breaking down and kind of looking at the movie, uh, piece by piece to, uh, he's using clothing as kind of a continuity thing to see when people's clothes change because his idea is that any, anybody whose clothes have changed, because almost everybody is wearing the same thing throughout this last half of the movie. Um, but if their clothes change, that's maybe a sign that they've been taken over and that, um, those kind of continuity errors potentially might add up to that to, uh, some pretty interesting conclusions, but yeah, he did that, and then just recently, after the blue, the new Blu-ray came out, he did an update where, um, because I, I think he thought that uh, in the end of the movie that Childs is wearing a beige jacket, but with the Blu-ray, you can tell more obviously that it's it's a darker jacket that's just covered in snow. Um, so mm. that so it it is still either the same blue jacket that he was wearing earlier or this other blue jacket that he took off the wall. So um, it's not something I had never had ever thought about or noticed on my own, but after watching that, it's a pretty interesting theory. It's pretty convincing, I have to say. Um, I'm convinced. Yeah, and 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 it and, you know it make it makes this shot that we see in this minute a lot more um, makes more sense because it is it's almost like it's following it's telling us the story of what Blair how Blair attacked Childs, you know, after the fact almost like we're following through his footsteps and seeing kind of where he came from and how he approached him. And, and then seeing that jacket missing is, is pretty interesting. I was expecting another kind of, you know, nutty conspiracy theory watching this. And then I was like, (laughs) I don't know, this is pretty convincing. (laughs) There's another tunnel that Blair dug underneath here. No. Yeah. Yeah. That's, That's I'm convinced, but this jackets that makes total, that makes total sense. I don't know. They put out a new Blu-ray. So I have I have this on the on I guess like the old Blu-ray. I'm I'm guessing, but yeah, I didn't know. I never even noticed that. 
Yeah, I, I didn't either, for sure. It was definitely not something I had picked up on. So it's a pretty pretty interesting little little bit of uh, evidence there if you want yeah, cool. to weigh into. So, yeah, so we get that that nice kind of long tracking shot as the, we get the main theme kind of continuing. And then we cut back. And, you know, like I said, the, the music kind of gives you a sense that they're, they've got a plan and that something's about to go down, like we're moving into the end game. But um, now when we cut back to the shack, we start to see, okay, these guys are going to blow everything up, or at least they're going to blow up the... Uh, Blair's escape vehicle. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're kind of wiring up those explosives, getting ready to do that. Um, they've got Nalls kind of watching the door just to kind of, I guess, make sure nobody comes up on them because now they're like, I think they're pretty, pretty damn sure that Blair is assimilated. So they've got something to worry about again. And as Nalls is watching out the door, he sees uh, a figure, presumably um, uh, Childs, but we're not, I guess we're not 100% sure, uh, exit the, uh, that door where he was guarding and kind of, he kind of stumbles out into the snow and then runs across the, uh, the front of the base there. So, uh, and we're not sure exactly why at this point, we don't know what's going on, but it's pretty suspicious. <laughs> I, uh, I guess the only reason why we would think it's Charles is because of what the, uh, the, the fire flamethrower. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because otherwise it's just, you know, everybody's wearing kind of big fuzzy parkas, like especially from a distance and through a blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to tell. <laughs> but yeah, he's got the same, he's presumably the same flamethrower. So it seems like it's obvious that it's him. Um, mm. But yeah, so obviously it's like, okay, they've already know that there's a threat in Blair. And now, you know, as they're watching out, something's going on with Childs who they thought they could trust too. So it, uh, it adds another bit of uh, something to worry about. <laughs> You know, leaving one guy alone and the three guys other. I mean, come on, classic Scooby Doo blunder. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> these these meddling kids just didn't have their act together in this. Exactly. Movie. <laughs> That's a crossover I would love to see. <laughs> <laughs> Scooby Doo meets the thing. Oh man, I would, I would I'd pay money to see that too. I a hundred percent guarantee somebody has made a T shirt of this uh, uh, online somewhere. I've seen. I just recently oh, somebody God. sent me the. Uh, a peanuts the thing crossover. So if that exists, Scooby Doo the thing has to exist. <laughs> it's like something you're gonna find on like you know what a geek, whatever the Think website geek or something. <laughs> Thinking, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like the, the gang pulling off like Blair's head or something. It's just a thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he would have gotten away with it too. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah. So that um that kind of wraps up the notes that I have. I guess just that uh yeah I think this this minute is a pretty. Pretty interesting one if you uh, if you watch it kind of closely in uh, and you know in in combination with the way the movie ends it's uh it's got some pretty interesting evidence so certainly a good a good minute to end the week on I think definitely so um, yeah man I, I really appreciate you being on for this whole week it's been really awesome yeah dude thanks a lot I I, I really appreciate it. I remember when you you po- first posted that you're doing this I was like oh man I I have to get on this one because I just of how much I love this movie I'm, I have to go back and watch it today and my girlfriend's never seen it so i'm gonna make her watch it too with commentary of course of course <laughs> that's the only way to watch a movie the oh. first time right <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> i was like hey look we're gonna sit down and we're gonna watch return of the king but we're gonna watch it with the commentary though okay and she was not happy oh boy yeah that's that's a bit of an endeavor right there <laughs> yeah those uh those, those guys doing the lord of the rings extended version minutes oh. i uh whew. I you know, I love, I bleed Lord of the Rings, but man, I could never do that. Yeah, that's a, um, that's like a lifetime commitment right there. <laughs> like, I, I'm sure they've said it. I, ha- I haven't uh, 
I haven't had the chance to start listening to that show. I'm, I'm excited to do, do it because I love those movies. But yeah, I, I'm sure they've probably broken it down by this point because if I was doing that show, I think the first thing I'd have to do before even starting is uh, do the math and figure out, you know, <laughs> if how I'll old be, I will be. Exactly. If I'll be retirement age by the time we finish these movies. <laughs> but uh, yeah, more power to them. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. And yeah, they definitely take the cake for... Uh, the uh, most uh, most intense commitment. <laughs> Are you going to be doing the uh, the prequel as well? I haven't decided. Um, I'm pro- I'm leaning towards probably not, just because it's it's not a movie that I'm a huge fan of. I don't okay. I don't dig it nearly as much as I do this one. And it would be fun to dig into it just for a uh, you know just for the sake of you know adding on to that uh, that bit of trivia with this. But uh, more than likely, what I'm thinking about doing is doing more like a uh, just a special episode where I get on a bunch of guests and just talk just do a one long episode about the prequel and kind of dig into oh, it that way. So, uh, might, might do that. So I know Mark is uh, really pushing me to do the prequel. <laughs> Look, uh, Mark and I, we both love the prequels of star Wars and I don't care who knows it. I, episode <laughs> one is, I think it's a phenomenal movie. Episode three is my favorite star Wars movie. Mm. I like the prequel to this. I think it, I like that it explains the dog. That's my favorite part is like, okay, perfect. I know where the dog came from. I'm good to go. That's all I needed. Yeah, I mean, it does. Uh, I will say there's there's some big positives about it. I, I will say if they um, if they ever put out a version of that movie that has the original practical effects that they had done for it without the oh, yeah. CGI effects, I'd probably feel very differently about it. Like yeah. that's I have a hard time getting past that. I'll be honest, but um, but it does do. Obviously, that movie has a lot of love for this original, and you can tell that they care a whole lot about it and and uh, and making sure they do it justice. So. In a lot of ways, there's a lot of stuff for for a thing fan to love, but um, yeah, the CGI effects, <laughs> dude, I 100 agree. Those damn studios. Yeah, it's a shame. Um, yeah, so um, yeah, so any any other uh, last minute uh, things you want to throw in just about the the movie overall, or any uh, anything we didn't get to cover in our minutes? No, man. Uh, I think you're doing a great job with this show, and I am happy that there's someone that actually really loves this movie breaking it down minute by minute instead of like some schlub. But man, <laughs> Ooh, what a movie! Yeah, I, I, obviously I agree. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's a movie that I was a huge fan of. Uh, you know, I mentioned it before that this is the movie that got me into horror movies. I was a I, I was a scaredy cat, like 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 you said you were. Um, and uh, I hated horror movies, but my my cousin convinced me to watch this one, and it it totally changed my outlook on the entire genre. So I Definitely. owe it a lot, and and this podcast has has made me love it only only I uh, found more things to love about it. So um, yeah, so thanks again for coming on, man. Really appreciate it. Of course, thanks you, man. So that'll uh, that'll wrap up minute ninety and this week of the podcast. But uh, if you'd like the show and you want to support us, uh, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can go to thethingminute.com/slash/amazon, and that'll take you just to the Amazon homepage. But any shopping that you do after you've used that link, um, a small portion of what you buy goes to us and doesn't cost you anything extra. So that's an easy way to support the show. Uh, especially during the holiday season. So, um, you know, take advantage of that if you'd like. Uh, the other way you can do it is just donating directly using the donate button at the bottom of the thingminute.com. So um, every little bit helps cover, uh, you know, hosting fees and, and stuff like that. So uh, anybody who does that, we really, really appreciate that. But I hope everybody has a great weekend. And if you're still not assimilated by Monday, make sure to come back for another episode of The Thing Minute. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to thethingminute.com. There you'll find the show notes with links to anything we talked about on this episode and lots of other resources on The Thing. 
You can also find us on Twitter at The Thing Minute and on Facebook at facebook.com slash The Thing Minute. But most importantly, subscribe, rate, and review us in iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. Check out other podcasts like this at moviesbyminutes.com and be sure to head over to starwarsminute.com to listen to the team that started it all. Thanks for listening, and until next time, this is Harper signing out. Thank you.